Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome to Network Show. I'm Alex Christensen, and joining me as always is Spread. And normally I would make some sort of wry joke about him being old or ask about how the weather is going and stuff or make fun of any number of cats he's adopted. But instead, I'm going to skip all that stuff because I'm too excited. We have a fantastic guest with us today. Not a man, not a myth, not a legend, but the leader, folks, of a nation, the Sharky Nation. And here to help us ride the wave instead of getting the fuck out of the water is our man, the shark. How you doing, brother? Doing excellent. And, you know, when somebody would have rewound last year and told me December 21st would be some sort of monumental day I'm on here with you two guys, I would have said, bring it to me right now, please. <laughs> Tomorrow, December 22nd, the kickoff of the season, we're going to talk about the Southwest Division, obviously, but just as a very loose point, I'm so unbelievably excited to see Steph Curry travel to Barclays, a little revenge between Katie and Steph in the opener, and then, of course, the Battle of L.A. in the nightcap. And we, as NBA fans, we're in for a treat tomorrow and the whole season if we come back to any sort of normalcy, hopefully, within professional sports this year. Beautiful. Well, thank you for joining us, and cheers to you. It's a wonderful <laughs> beer that I drank, actually, because you drank that. I love this. This is oh, wonderful. Yeah. I found that, yeah, because you were drinking this. It's like just as much hoppiness as I want from an IPA. So hold on, in case you guys want to sponsor us. Oh, what are we working with there? A little, little white? This is a nice glass of water. Uh, a tap in <laughs> water. Really clean on a Monday. I'm trying to keep it civil because we got Christmas coming in a couple days. I got to be in the zone. I got my man, old man, who bets visiting. So I got to get the, the game face and the, the, the good vibes rolling, as we always say. Well, anybody who took the field on what Sharky was drinking, a big plus odds there. Congratulations. You cashed very, very early on. Spread, I will check in with you for a second. Go, how you doing, bud? How's life? You know, we've got 24 hours about – actually, yeah, I think it is. It's about 24 hours until stuff gets gets back into action. Are you going to be able to sleep tonight? Oh, definitely. But it's because I'm going to do a little Sharky training. I hit some deadlifts this morning. Uh, been eating a lot. But I, do, I cannot wait, like – the more and more I've dug into this, first of all, I felt completely unprepared when we started this two weeks ago. I feel great going into the season now with the previews that we've done and, and some of the material that I've, I've been taking in. I feel like I'm ready for the season. I feel like our draft prep helped us a lot. I feel like I'm much better with the rookies this year. We had pointed that out as a weakness, we thought, for last year, so I think we addressed that well. And, dude, I just can't wait. Tuesday night's going to be fun, and then Wednesday night is going to be insane. So I'm really looking forward to it. Let's jump into it. We're here to talk about the Southwest Division today, the last of the many division previews. So you can go back on Twitter at NetworthPod to see all the videos. Just about anywhere podcasts are available, those podcasts are up. But today we're going to talk about the Southwest, which, as you may know, as the Pelicans, Grizzlies, Rockets, Spurs, and Mavericks. We're going to start with the New Orleans Pelicans, a team, um, you know, made a couple moves this offseason as I start to look at some of the changes. Traded away Drew Holiday. Um, let Derek Favors go. Um, Jaleel Okafor is gone. Bringing in Stephen Adams, Eric Bledsoe, um, went, uh, Gabriel, and Willie Hernan Gomez. So a couple moves there. Swap out some big men. Lose Drew Holiday and open up some more um, minutes for Lonzo Ball. Also drafted Kira Lewis Jr., who I think will get some playing time. And since you are a guest shark, we'll let you start. What do you think about the Pelicans, their offseason? What are your expectations for them this coming year? Um lot in that question, but to start off, I am expecting great things. I think this is one of the teams you're going to see some northward movement towards a higher average just in terms of pure win-loss efficiency. And I think, of course, in terms of the entertainment quotient of this franchise, they are one of the absolute just under this under the source coming up in terms of entertainment quality. ESPN has them all over the national slate. I think, obviously, Zion Williamson, number one pick. I mean, the guy can jump out of, of 
you know, freaking gymnasium beyond words. And when you really look at up and down the roster, they have components that really help to feed what Zion does. Obviously, he plays better down low, even though he was developing a surprisingly solid three-point ball last year, which I was surprised to see. But I love my man Lonzo Ball. I love just a distributor. I'm an old-school guy, even though I'm only 35. I, I really love NBA from the 70s and 80s. I love a one that likes to distribute beyond anything. And whenever I see a franchise that has a true one, I just love the way the ball is going to move, and I love the way the offense is going to flow. So I'm really excited to see it. And obviously, we'll talk about a little of the gambling side of it as well. Um, you guys want to jump off that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, my only concern is in the starting five. I wonder if there is enough shooting out here. You know, Bledsoe probably isn't as bad of a shooter as people think. Maybe he can end up being a plus Ingram, too. But outside of that, it's just like a really tough group in the starting five. If they need shooting, they've got J.J. Reddick coming off the bench. What do you think about the Pelicans of New Orleans spread? Yeah, so I think that that uh, holiday was a sneaky good deal um, for the Pelicans. And the idea that Bledsoe's shortcomings have all come in the playoffs. As a regular season player, he's just been fine. This is a team that needs to make the playoffs, right? I mean, they're not built uh, to make the, the Western Conference Finals, right? They need to get from being irrelevant to being a playoff team. And I don't think that Bledsoe is that much of a drop-off for this season. Um, so I think that's a, that was a sneaky good pickup to add all those draft picks with that as well. Uh, obviously, the, the season's going to come down to Brandon Ingram's continued development. Uh, he made a huge step last year. Um, was that just because he's out of Lakers system and everyone seems to develop when they leave the Lakers? Or, you know, is he just sneaky good and finally coming into his body? But he's going to have to continue to develop, especially on the defensive end. We saw he can fill it up. We saw he can create his own shot, especially late in the shot clock. He bailed him out a lot. Um, so I'm definitely liking that. Zion Williamson, um, it seems to me the only issues with him is health. If he's on the floor, he's going to be effective. Um, Steven Adams, a, a nice sneaky pick up there. Probably an upgrade for favors for this year. We'll see how fast his decline is as the biggest, probably the strongest dude in the NBA. And then we get to Lonzo Ball, the polarizing point guard of the New Orleans Pelicans. And I think that he also gets a bad rap because his shooting form is so bad. But if you just look at his statistics, like without names, his, his three-point shooting percentage really isn't that bad. Uh, J.J. Redick had a couple great quotes this offseason talking about he was encouraging him um, to shoot it more. That's going to give more space for the rest of the players. And he just needs to start throwing it up when he's open, kind of get away from that pass-first mentality. And it's so funny that he's just basically the polar opposite of his brother. I mean, that he he, pa he passes well, great defense, although LaMelo passes well, right? But, I mean, just just a team guy, not looking for a shot, and his, his, his brother's out there just shooting like the second he passes half court. So uh, I like Lonzo, and I, the one thing that I'm really not sure of how to quantify with this team is the addition of Stan Van Gundy. I really didn't think Alvin Gentry was that bad. You know, obviously there were some issues there towards the end um, that we weren't necessarily privy to when we were watching during the season that came out during the offseason. Stan Van Gundy seems like a great players guy and a good guy to connect with these young players. So uh, let's see if he can get it done. Uh, the other thing is they might be able to overcome injury better than some of these other teams. Um, finally, Kira Lewis Jr. Interesting to see if he can find playing time as maybe the fifth guard here. Yeah, at the end of the day, a lot of the success is going to come down to the health of Ingram and Williamson. Ingram had a nice season, I think, played just about every one of his games. I wonder if Williamson you know, took the end of the season kind of off, um, just trying to stay healthy. I think that the two of them will come in this year. Another one of you guys have concerns about them playing most of the season? I think that a key point was, obviously, I think going back to post-rookie or post rookie draft going a year ago, he was out of shape to a certain degree. He was probably 20, 30 pounds overweight. And uh, from the impact just of your body, getting up and down the way he runs, you know, it, I don't think it's a direct necessary corollary, but, you know, look at like Blake Griffin, 
you know, when he had that knee injury, it's it's a landing injury. And ultimately, Zion, his entire game is predicated on getting up and down off the floor, pure bounce. And losing that 20 to 30 pounds, I think it was roughly, and ch- channeling it into lean muscle, I thought was a huge, huge uh, improvement for his sustainability on the court. Um, and one thing I want to make a comment on, just looking at this roster overall, it's a, it's a small roster. I mean, they've only got one guy at seven feet, obviously, Stephen Adams. And, uh, you know, Jackson Hayes, obviously, number eight overall pick to Atlanta two years ago, coming in here, super athletic. And I think if he can develop more, he's obviously not an offensive prototype, but if he can develop a little bit more, I think he can complement Zion down low and really just feed off him particularly well. Yeah, I think with this lineup, you don't necessarily need too many big guys. You've got Adams to throw at kind of the traditional big guys, even though he's getting a little older and slower afoot. He's a nice big body. Like you said, Hayes, you can bring up in some of those smaller lineups. He is more of an athletic player. They did bring in Hernan Gomez. I wonder what his role is going to be, if they're going to try to find minutes for him. But I I think they'll be serviceable there. They're a little thin at other spots. Again, if Ingram or Williamson go down, that's going to be a lot of minutes for guys like Josh Hart. You're going to see some Nikhil Alexander-Walker, and I don't necessarily know if that's great. But as long as the two of them can be healthy for the most part throughout the year, I think they've got a pretty solid roster. As we take a look at the win total, I'm seeing um, a win total percentage. You know, Again, we've got percentages this year as well as win totals. The percentage I'm seeing is 48.5, and the win total looks like 35.5 or so, You know, pretty close to that number. Looking at last year, 41% win percentage, a little better if you back out the bubble. Pythag was right in line with that. So um, market expects them to take us a little step forward here. And it makes sense. You know, again, we should have a lot of these younger players. Zion should have one heck of a sophomore surge this year. Um, interesting to hear, you know, spread you talk about Stan Van Gundy like that. We've talked about him for a little bit. Um, I don't know if it's an improvement. I wonder how yeah. he's going to do, not having coached for so long, kind of being in the media. Um, curious to see if it takes him a little bit to get his sea legs back, if you will. Um, you know, Shark, do you have any thoughts on that before we talk a little bit about the wind total? Yeah, I thought it was a little bit of an interesting hire, too, because I'm one of these guys that, like, just to take it to the Knicks for a split second, when they hired Thibodeau, I had a similar worry. I have uh, these older guard type of guys, these these guys that really just want to always compete for a championship to a certain degree. I'm not sure how they are in terms of managing a young roster and also being patient with it. So I was a little bit displeased with it, if I had to be honest. Although I didn't like Alvin Gentry either. I felt like he was a reactionary hire, obviously being an assistant for the Warriors, um, which doesn't necessarily translate to being a great head coach himself. He wasn't good prior either. But I do think that Stan Van Gundy was a bit of a reach here. All right, so again, win total, you know, last year right around a 43% win team. This year they're looking at 48%. You know, that puts them, let me see where that ranks them. You know, puts them right around the 9 seed so that they'd be in kind of that playing range. You know, just to remind everybody that is not the top 8 make the playoffs this year. The top 6 is in and then 7, 8, 9 and 10 go into a little bit of a playoff game where 7 and 8 have an advantage. So, they would be a 9 seed probably based on those odds and um, slide into that spot. Well, you know, I'll start with you, uh, Spread. What do you think of that total? You going over, under? Um, does that make you feel strongly in any way? I think they did a pretty good job at setting this line. <clears throat> My initial reaction, if we would have done this, like, you know, right when I was starting, I probably would have leaned over. But you look at how stacked the West is and how tough these games are going to be every night. Winning 50% of their game seems about right. I don't really see an edge uh, one way or the other here. I think they did a pretty good job setting the line. I think this is going to be a great lineup and a lot of fun to watch, but there's a lot of great lineups in the West here. So I think the number's about right. What do you think, Shark? And if you don't have a play there, I was looking at the playoff odds, yes, to make the playoffs, plus 132. So, again, the uh, win total or maybe that yes, no. Any thoughts? 
Yeah, just as a very loose numerical evaluation, I think when you look at the team totals, this entire division, four out of the five teams are coming down in their total, and the Pelicans are the only one coming up. And I think that's particularly noteworthy, and I think it speaks to the fact that, of course, these lines are sharp, as spread suggested. Uh, but I do think I would lean over purely as a reactionary point to the fact that four out of the five are actually coming down, and they're the only one coming up. And they are coming up by five and a half wins from last year, which is pretty significant, particularly in a condensed season at 72 games. Yeah, that makes sense. That was a good little breakdown there. I do lean towards the over. I wonder if I'd rather have the plus 132 to make the playoffs because I think if they do pop, it, it has a pretty high ceiling. And I wonder if, you know, again, given all the conditions we have, normally we get some alternate totals on win totals and there would be a team I would love to take an alternate over. I think if it goes over, it goes well over, frankly. I mean, they just really put it together. Zion and, and Ingram are healthy all year. So I might take a, a dip my toe a little bit in that plus 132 to make the playoffs. Um, I see you both nodding there. Does anybody feel strongly about that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a good look. I do think that they are kind of built for the playoffs. We talked about maybe lack of death being an issue, um, you know, but when we go down to maybe seven, eight man rotation and, I think that where, that's something where Van Gundy will be helpful. I think managing, even though it's only what, like a two out of three, they have to, the other team has the eight or the, the nine or the 10 has to win two games in a row. Uh, this is where Van Gundy really uh, being able to dial in and, and having some playoff experience really helps this team. Yeah, it makes a ton of sense. So looking through here at some of the futures, I don't see odds for coach of the year right now. Let me see if I can find those on Bovada. Um, I don't think MVP that we're betting for Van Gundy for coach of the year. Yeah, it's well. It's he's one of those guys. He's like kind of a media 10. darling. Yeah, I guess. It's again, you got to put about, the story together, right? I, I'm curious to see what the number is. It's I'm usually try to just the coach of the most improved team, right? So, I was going to say, what about first to get fired? <laughs> yeah, you know, I think that's up too. So let's see here. I have to just, just starting to load up here. So, coach of the year, Mr. Stan Van Gundy's 18 to one to be coach of the year. First coach to get fired, Mr. Stan Van Gundy, 50 to 1. So yeah. 18 to 1. I don't know if that's definitely not value for coach of the year. 50 to 1. You know, if you think this all goes to shit pretty quickly, what the heck? Worth five bucks. <laughs> yeah. Right. All right. So I don't think there's I don't think there's too many other angles. I mean, it's, would you guys see it's it's hard for me to put together a case for Zion to be MVP. They would have to just really blow away any expectations for that. Uh, you know, I don't think of them as a championship contender. Um, any disagreements there? No, I think this is kind of tough to find those individual awards. Uh, most improved. I mean, I don't really see anyone here jumping out on that one either. Um, Sixth man of the year, not really either. So I think I think this is going to be hard, kind of hard for individual awards. All right, so the last just thought I have before we wrap it up here. Shark, I think you mentioned this. They'll be a good over team this year. I agree with that sentiment. I think they're going to put up a lot of points. I think Stan Van Gundy is going to want to spread the floor out and run the ball. Um, are you seeing anything, for again, from a numbers perspective that, that kind of correlates with that, or is that just more kind of a feel thing for you too? Well, I, you know, honestly, going back to my original comment when we opened this segment about 10 minutes ago, what I was saying, I really like the, the pass-first point guard who wants to distribute and pace it. Uh, obviously, Drew Holiday did play a huge part in their bloated totals last year. The man is a walking heat check, uh, similar to a guy like Lou Williams. However, I do think just the pace that they're going to want to play and the distribution will lead to a wide-open game flow, and I do like just a lot of overs across the board this year for them. Yeah, they were hitting a lot of 240s last year towards the end of the year, so uh, that would yeah. kind of be a continuation of what we saw. 
Yeah, and yeah. Holiday takes a def- takes another defender off the floor too. So, but like I said, I don't think Bledsoe's that much of a drawback, especially on the defensive end. I, I think what yeah. you'll see is maybe more turnovers, um, maybe a little less structure on offense. I mean, we'll, we'll see if again Lonzo steps right in and takes all those roles, or if they will try Bledsoe at point guard for a little bit. I hope not. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I think Eric Bledsoe is a better natural athlete, and he's better conditioned than Drew Holiday. Of course, that would help on the defensive side of the ball more than anything, probably. Yeah. All right, gentlemen, any other thoughts here on the Pelicans before we jump on to the yeah, next team? Just, for both of you guys, do you, are you guys worried about Williamson and Adams in the spacing when they're on the floor together? I'm not thrilled about it. Yeah, it seems like it could yeah, not, get jumbled a bit. I mean, Adams yeah, is I a guy that, that – go ahead, Shark. I, 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 I do think if you go back to Oklahoma City, you know, Stephen Adams has played a, a – numerous types of ball really you know if you look at deep in the playoffs okc back in the kd days they're playing half court they're playing real slow down kd's playing the best defense of his career and then you get the other side about they're running and gunning and for a seven footer who's like you know bigger guy he's more of a throwback body i think he gets mm-hmm. up and down pretty well so i think that ultimately he can mold himself to whatever style they want to play and i think he's fairly adjustable within any sort of scheme and i think he'll play off of zion better than we might think coming across obviously from oklahoma city I like that. And he's a he's a guy that doesn't really need the ball offensively. He's not going to demand post ups or anything like that. So I think he's going to be happy to get out of Zion's way. And I wonder if we see him do some kind of stuff where he kind of slowly slides out to the corner or even stands out of bounds. We've seen players do stuff like this where they stand out of bounds and then jump in all of a sudden and have an advantage doing offensive rebounding and stuff. So um, you know he could just be someone setting high screens and then kind of hanging out out of the way instead of doing a role. Um, I think given you know his kind of personality and stuff, I think he'll be okay in that role. And I've heard multiple opposing players say that his screens are like brick walls. And it, oh, that has to be horrible. It just wears you down if they keep running it through them. So that'll be another interesting uh, aspect to see if Van, De- Van Gundy can take advantage of that. What What was the story with him? He's the, the youngest child out of like 15 kids or something? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think it's like 16 or 17 kids. The shortest one of them is like six foot eight or something. It's yeah. like just this family of giants that are all from New Zealand or something. Um, yeah. I'm trying to see if I say it. Fathered 18 children. Wow. So now it's their, their children and stepchildren. His dad uh, had uh, five, well, mothers of his children and 18 kids. Um, he was six foot 11. And it looks like the, so the sisters average six feet. The brothers average six foot nine. <laughs> That's some good stock. Yeah. All right, before actually we jump into the Memphis Grizzlies, I saw a comment there um, from Ace Previews here. It seems that Markel Fultz just got paid. I don't know if he got paid, paid, but it looks like it's $50 million for three years. Um, as someone that bets him Cole Anthony, rookie of the year, and is really hoping that Cole would take that starting job from him, this isn't necessarily the best news. You know, Shark, what do you think of this? You know, I think that going off the court, I mean, Markel Fultz, pretty well documented, had a hell of a lot of stress and just couldn't really figure out himself in, in the league. And uh, he, he was really confused. Obviously going to Washington, number one pick, Washington, Isaiah Thomas, definitely not your feeder school for number one picks very, very often. And I think he's more than anything schematically or tactically as a basketball player, he's just had a really difficult time in his mind figuring out how to be a pro, how to really articulate himself within a locker room and whatever. And I think from any sort of like mental health perspective, that makes me happy to see that he's figured it out and he's been able to get himself going in the league. Uh, in terms of Cole Anthony, of course, you know, one off in, at UNC. I don't have a huge comment on there. Truthfully, I don't, I don't really watch ACC hoops as religiously as people might think. But uh, yeah. I do think it's 
for faults and just great for people, you know, getting through any sort of struggle. <clears throat> what do you think, Spread? Is that a good contract for the Mavericks? Not too long, not too much money. What do you think for a former number one pick who was able to escape the Brett Brown? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I, I don't have an issue with it at all, right? Orlando, it's not a free agent destination. So all you're really going to do with cap space is basically try to absorb bad contracts um, for draft picks. And the draft picks would be to try and get a talent like this. Three years, fifty million. I mean, Markeith Morris got four years, sixty-four. I don't, I don't, I have an issue with this at all. I think it's smart um, because I don't think they would have used the cap space um, much, you know. Regardless, so uh, you know, hopefully he gets it going down there because he could be an exciting player. I loved him coming out of Washington. I was really surprised that he wasn't as impactful as uh, as, as it expected. But you know, maybe with these, uh, with getting his mind right, as I like to say, uh, he's ready to go here. So hopefully they do well here. Maybe not uh, Wednesday night, though, because I think I'll be on Miami minus three. On to the Grizzlies of Memphis, a team that didn't change really too much as I start to look through the roster. Um, God, not really much of anything. Drafted Xavier Tillman. Um, Jaron Jackson Jr. injured in the bubble. Hard to figure out when he's going to come back because, quote the GM of the Grizzlies, he'll be out a minute. <laughs> I don't know if that's one minute However many minutes, is it a New York minute? Is it a Memphis minute? I'm not even really sure how to correlate that. I don't have a composition book that's got the table in the back. It helps a lot with that. But pretty solid starting lineup for, from my perspective. John Morant, Dylan Brooks, Kyle Anderson. Um, at some point, Jaron Jackson Jr. and Jonas Valanciunas probably swap in Brandon Clark until Jaron Jackson gets better. You have an athletic unit. You have a couple players that should see, quote, the sophomore surge. If you're not familiar with that, we see often with rookies, they take a big step forward the next year in their level of performance. So a team that should have a lot of ways to grow despite not making too many additions. Spread, what do you think of the Grizzlies here? I mean, I haven't heard too much positivity, but I know you're out there reading more articles than me. Yeah, I mean, a lot of it has to do with the uncertainty around Jaron Jackson Jr., uh, him and Morant really weren't meshing that well uh, at the beginning of the season. And after the All-Star break, they finally figured out that pick and roll, and it was awesome. And they were the hottest team going into the bubble, and then they just obviously could not carry it. You know, a lot of expectations. So it'll be interesting with this team. Last year, they had no expectations. There will be some expectations this year, although I don't think it'll be crushing there in Memphis. Um, I thought Desmond Bain was a sneaky good draft pick, and I see him just buried on this depth chart for ESPN. I'll be interested to see if he makes it in here. Um, you know that we like Brandon Clark, right? So I don't know how much of a downgrade that will be in the starting lineup. The issue there is going to be depth with this team. Um, I think that I've argued with, you know, the guys in the chat. I'm not a Grayson Allen guy. I don't like him getting big minutes. But um, he actually seemed to prove me wrong sometimes last year and, and was making meaningful contributions. I think that maybe I underrate um, his ability to kind of be a pest on defense. And uh, if he hits that three-point shot and he defends the way that he does, he actually can be a solid NBA contributor. Um, you know, we know what we're going to get out of Dylan Brooks and Kyle Anderson. And so what it comes down to on this team is how much does John Morant develop? And I think that this is going to be a much more sure thing than Zion. I think Zion, I have no idea, you know, what type of leaps he's going to make. I, I fully expect this kid to jump in and be um, – Ready, you know, basically saying I should be an all-star this year. I mean, he had great duels with some of the best point guards in the league last year. He looked like he belonged. He can be anyone off the dribble. Uh, great passing, great vision, you know, um, not afraid. So uh, it's basically how far can John Morant take them, you know, and, and what can they do maybe if they are contending midseason um, to put some pieces around him, you know, add a shooter or two here. Um, but, yeah, I mean, just how much do you believe in John Morant is how much you believe in this win total. I think really the most important question, Shark, is who would win in a fight, a grizzly bear or a shark? 
Well, as we always say, don't get out of the water. I got to read the water. We'll see what happens. On the land. It does really probably come down to landscape and what the fire fit is. I like to think of maybe some sort of environment where like, I don't know, it's like an anti-gravity thing and the shark can somehow swim and the bear can move or something. It'd be a pretty good fight. I don't know if you have an opinion there. Um, I probably, I might take the bear. I mean, he can. We're going bad. for the shark since he's on the show. We're going shark. That's probably good. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll go contrarian and take the but bear. But I'll take the bear over the gorilla. All right. But more seriously, the Memphis Grizzlies, you know, spread, I like what you said there. I, I'm, with the depth, I'm curious to see what Justice Winslow can do. If he comes back well, healthy, he could be a nice piece. He's not coming back anytime piece. soon either, is he? No, is he out, is he out a minute too? I'm pretty sure. sure a lot of good information coming from Memphis. for him. Yeah. We'll see. So guys like that, I wonder if he'll be better. Gorgie Dang is not necessarily the worst third big man. But, Shark, what do you think of the Grizzlies here? And um, what are your expectations for them this season? Well, I think we were saying off the record, really, really integral is obviously the Jaron Jackson injury and secondarily Justice Winslow, as you guys just stated. Uh, I think just a general comment, you're going to be making a lot of money betting this team after the restart. And of course, they haven't scheduled the second half of the season. They get their guys back and ultimately also COVID. This is one of the biggest home court advantages in the league and also highly underrated. The grindhouse is truly a grindhouse for opponents to come in there and win. And if you actually go back to last season, they were 20 and 17 straight up at home and they were 14 and 22 on the road, which is a massive gap in your efficiency. And I think that ultimately with no fans, and we talked about this going back to the bubble and of course it's continued for six and a half months. We really don't know how every team's going to function with or without fans in their home stadium. Some teams find it regardless. Some don't. And I feel like this, the fact that their total is plummeting four and a half wins from last year where they had shown a lot of upside is speaking to all these elements. And I do think there's going to be a buy low factor midseason for this squad. All right. So Shark over Grizzly Bear. We like Memphis when we come back from the restart. Um, as we start to look at some of the betting markets here, the Grizzlies last year, 46% win team, a little better if you back out the bubble games. Pythag is pretty much in line. The market hasn't taken a step back. I mean, you can bet a win percentage as low as 40.5%. I'm seeing a win total as low as 30.5%, which correlates to like 41, 41.5%. Um, it's, it's an interesting team because, like you guys have said, once they're healthy, they have all these really nice, interesting pieces. I wonder, though, if they have the top-level talent to start to compete with some of those teams. I mean, as you look at the Western Conference, you've got both L.A. teams. You've got Denver. You've got Utah. You've got Portland. I'm at six teams right now. You've got um, the Dallas Mavericks. I'm at seven. So that's seven teams that I feel like are kind of a lock for those seven spots. And then things start to get competitive. You've got Phoenix probably in that next group. I didn't say Portland yet either. Um, who knows what San Antonio is going to be with their young pieces. We'll talk about them in a second. It's It could be kind of tough sledding. I mean, so Shark, what do you think of that total? Are you looking over? Are you looking under? Um, any strong feelings? If I, I mean, if I had to make a very loose comment, I would lean under. Uh, for all the aforementioned reasons. And I do think just as a, a narrative point, when you have shown that sort of upside, and again, your home court efficiency is very good, it's a bloodbath spot. I mean, I made a lot of money last year fading contenderish teams going in there on like four and a half, five and a half lines, and Memphis covers a very high rate. But again, without that home court advantage and the injuries, I think the line is speaking to a good story for an under, and I think the, the side narratives do confirm that. Yeah, I think you're right. It's going to be a tough start. You make a great point about the home court advantage. That was not something I had thought about. What do you think of that number spread? Yeah, I would have to lean under, too. Actually, they kind of remind me of my Kings where they have this completely awesome point guard, 
and they've just kind of surrounded him with, you know, what we would consider like replacement level NBA players. Um, you know, like a lot of them are basically like what I would put as like my average um, style, like Dylan Brooks, average shooting guard, Kyle Anderson, average small forward, Valanchunas, average center. So uh, other than John Morant, just basically becoming like uh, a top five player uh, this year, which which is funny because I think he will be top five in two years, <laughs> right? I think by year four of his thing, he will be that good. Uh, I just don't expect it yet. I think we'll continue to see the ascension, but I think this is going to be growing pains for this team and this franchise. And and I think that Sharky made a great point that I think this is one of the teams that is completely really hurt, especially being a young team, uh, by the lack of fans. And I think the lack of home court advantage might lead to them not getting a couple wins that they might have got during the regular uh, our regular style of basketball. And when you look at the playoff markets, too, that's looking like an under. No is minus 225. But the most interesting thing that you said there's bread, which I would like to disagree with here. You think John Morant could be a top five player in the NBA? Yes. He's so good. He's so good. I, you know, I, I would tend to agree. And I, also, I also think a key point is there's a, a large faction of players right now that are going to cliff dive within the next couple yeah. of years. The old guard is going to fall. We're going to see an entirely new NBA within two to three years. And I mean, I can't wait for it as a Knicks fan, but ultimately I can't wait for it as just a more large scale comment because, you know, when, when guys started all going to the, when my, when the Miami Heat came together, first of all, I, I thought it was terrible for basketball. I just don't like seeing the, the best player from three teams come together and kind of corrupt the competitive environment of the league. And I think this new group of guys has suggested, you know, that's not what we're going to do this generation. We want to go. We're going to stay with our teams. I mean, look at Giannis. He signed up with the Bucks. Nobody thought he was going to do that. And I think it's just we're going back to more 90s-style basketball where every team has the guy they drafted, their, their big guy, and then they surround him with pieces, and we get just a, com- com- a great competitive environment in the NBA. Yeah, because you think, like, LeBron will be 38 or 39 then. Steph will be 35. I mean, who knows if KD is going to hold up. Like, a lot of these guys that are our top five guys now are going to be gone. So Harden will be gone. He'll be out of there for sure. I don't see him being that effective past 33. Um, the, the problem is a lot of people have 10 people in their top five. So maybe I'm falling into that trap a little, but, uh, I, I could, I can dial it back a little bit and say top 10, but even then, I think what it comes down to, you know, whether or not you're top five or top 10, can you be the guy, the best guy on the championship team? And I think that he, he has that potential. Yeah, I think maybe that's more of a fair characteristic because you start to do the rankings, you have trouble with the fact that even he's the third best guy in this division if you take Harden out. You still have right. Luka, you still have Zion. So if he's the third best guy in this I think division, he's better than Zion is, there, is there really only two guys in the entire rest of the league that are better than him? It's tough. It's tough to get into that top five spot. But I, I think right. you're right. He could be the best player on a championship team. I wonder if they have the pieces around here again, like every team in the NBA. You'd like some more shooting. But, I mean, I think Jackson and Clark are exactly what you want in big men these days. So mm-hmm. they've got Ja. They've got the big men you want. Hopefully they can fill in the spot. So I just want to slow you yeah, down there a little bit. But guys, a very loose, loose, loose thought I just had. He kind of reminds me of a, of, of a, a new age – more athletic version of Allen Iverson to a degree. Uh, he's He's got pretty much all the same pieces in his game. He's a little undersized. He's great off the dribble. He has great handles. He can shoot. Um, you know, obviously not the same background, coming from a totally different environment, but just as a, as a very loose prototype. And I think that's where Spread's going with that, where, you know, Allen Iverson going to the 2001 finals, that team was – literally a bunch of journeymen and AI. So similar type of corollary, obviously at a different point in his career. You can always come back if you're going to talk about the 2001 Philadelphia 76ers. That's the greatest year of my life. Aaron, that was the best. 
Eric Snow. Well, Eric, yeah, the starting lineup was Eric Snow, Allen Iverson, George Lynch, Tyrone Hill, and Dikembe Mutombo. <laughs> and I maintain to this day that series would have been more competitive if Theo Ratliff was healthy. But the problem is yeah. he wasn't. He blew out something and was became basically a joke contract forever. But that was awesome. We beat the Lakers in game one, kept game two a lot closer than people need to remember. But, you know, what are we going to do? Anyway, <laughs> let's move forward here. I think that's just about all we have for the Grizzlies of Memphis. Let's move on to those Rockets in Houston. Um, one of the teams with the most changes, as you start to look year over year, Damari Carroll's out, Robert Covington's out, Jeff Green, Austin Rivers, Thabo Sofalosha, and, of course, Russell Westbrook. Coming in, we've got John Wall, DeMarcus Cousins for a little Kentucky reunion, um, Christian Wood, who could end up being a pretty underrated signing if, if you know Mr. Harden's going to stay and, and play his best. So a um, couple big pieces out, a couple interesting pieces in. I think a lot of it depends, frankly, on how you feel about John Wall. I am uh, less than optimistic about him and even Cousins staying healthy. But you know, if Harden's going to try his best, that Wood Harden pick and roll could be pretty stellar. What do you think, Spread? So, okay, so talking about the two injury guys, I think that John Wall's doing way better than I thought he would. I thought I was I was completely out on him. I I thought he was going to struggle to even get minutes. Obviously, he's he's not like the fastest guy in the league anymore. He's still pretty quick. He can get to a spot and hit that jump shot. I was pretty impressed with him. Uh, and I think I did. The, I might have said this on another pod, but to me, Demarcus Cousins now is entering the Marcus Gasol phase of his career, where he's no longer athletic, but he knows how to play basketball. I think he's going to give you meaningful minutes. So um, I actually think that those pickups were better. After I've seen preseason, I, I rate those way higher than, than I did. Uh, and, of course, it comes down to, are they going to keep James Harden? If I were to guess, I still think he's gone. I think he's out of there. Um, I, I think the, the hard part is just me find a team that's taking him because I've heard some executives say that the way that Houston treated him and coddled him, that he's basically just become a monster, and they don't know if they want that in their locker room. And that's what's holding up the trade talks more than Houston's demands is just how are we going to deal with this guy if we do get him uh, in our roster, in our into our culture. So what do you guys think? I mean, that basically comes down to if you're betting an over and under here, you're basically betting on whether or not you think he's going to get traded. Do you guys think he stays? Go ahead, Chuck. Jump in. Oh, man. I mean, it's kind of a dead toss. I think all those points you made were extremely valid. I think he's become a total enigma. And I think it's a well-known narrative point now that he's going to come in and totally disrupt not only the flow of your franchise in the locker room and on the court, but off the court. You know, it's well-documented. Vegas trips on off days, doesn't practice half the time, just total diva. And um, I think it's hard to deal with. And I think, you know, he's a hell of a basketball player. But again, the emotional capacity is a huge, huge waiting point when you bring somebody into your locker room. Um, so I think he probably ends up staying, but again, what do I know? I, I, I don't know really. It's a dead coin flip for me on that. Yeah. Based on, you know, spread what you and I have heard from one of our friends who is a little bit of a rockets insider. A lot of this stuff is them kind of drumming up news stories and, you know, and you look at start to look at some of the offers. I think that what they want from the Sixers is Ben Simmons and three first round picks, which is an outrageous request from my perspective. Um, you know, honestly, if, if we're getting, we're straight in Simmons for Harden, I kind of want a first round pick back for taking the older player. Um, yeah. I, I think he's going to stay, and I think if he does stay, it's kind of the same team they had last year, but instead of Westbrook taking the ball and wanting to do stuff, you've got John Wall. Again, I, I don't know what he's got left. We'll see if Eric Gordon can stay healthy this year. P.J. Tucker is, you know, an absolute bulldog. He's great to have on the floor. I'm really excited to see what that wood pick and roll looks like with Harden, a little bit that we saw in the, in the preseason, I think the other day when he played um, – Look nice. I think that they're going to have a lot of success running that. Christian Wood is somebody I bet to win most improved player of the year. I think that he has a chance to put up some big numbers on this team. But it's 
you know, when we talk about betting, one of the biggest things we try to talk about is variance. And not so much did good things happen, did bad things happen. What are all the good and bad things that could happen? What is the range of potential outcomes for this team? And I think that this team has arguably the widest range of anybody. If they can hold on to Harden, maybe even take some of the assets, turn them into another player and make a deal, you're looking at a championship contender by midseason. If Harden leaves and they start to tear things down, this could be one of the worst rosters in the NBA. Um, you know, so Shark, as, as someone that you know lives a life of looking at variants, I mean, do you agree with that? I mean, and you know, as you start to think about that, when you think about teams that are more wide variants, does that make you want to bet something like a win total over or stay away from it? Uh, I would I would try to avoid that. Really, I think the as the abstract elements, and then of course the subsequent variants. It's really difficult to predict. And if you look at the number, I mean, forty four wins last year over an eighty two comes in here at thirty five and a half, which is an adjusted forty point four wins. So they're coming down roughly three wins, and it speaks to that. This team with James Harden in his prime should not be coming down in terms of their expected wins given the Vegas number. And I think it's just it's, it's really hard to predict based on all the prerequisite elements. But if I had to look at it as a number, I would take the under. Yeah, I, I think you're right. And more more times than not, you know, because, again, you start to look at all the different scenarios. For them to go over that number, James Harden not only has to stay, he has to care and try really hard and be happy and you know, finally be a leader on this team. The coach is gone. Everybody else is gone. It's him. I mean, it's, I guess maybe TJ, PJ Tucker could be a leader in this team, but it's got to be his team. And if he's going to be able to take the reins, I mean, you're looking at a really solid team. And I think that's what you need to go over. But more times than not, uh, it's probably going the other way. What do you think, Spread? Yeah, I want to know your guys' thoughts on Steven Silas. I know nothing about this guy. And boy, talk about getting thrown right in the fire right on your first job, right? You got it. You got a malcontent star coming in, not showing up for practice. Um, I, I don't know what to make of him. Do you, yeah, you know, know anything I, about Silas? Or, well, I mean, I was looking at just very loose commentary on his personality, which I think is the key point, because when you have a, a, a huge ego diva superstar, it's personality management at the court. It's not really scheme. And right. uh, they said he's very mild-mannered. That was what I mild-mannered. So, of course, then you think about that, they're bringing in a guy who's just going to totally defer to James Harden, just as a very loose comment. And I think that ultimately, as I was reading the ESPN article, very long article about what James does off the court and the way they've constructed this franchise, I think ultimately this is the final move to just continue to give him the environment he wants. It's not a coach that's going to challenge him in any potential way based on that personality description. Yeah, he spent the last couple of years working under Rick Carlisle, so he's probably smart. He, I mean, you know, if he is smart, he, he learned a lot about basketball. He should have some great plays and things dialed up. But Rick Carlisle is not a, a great manager of egos. You know, you look at most of his successful teams, um, you know, the biggest ego they had was maybe Jason Terry. As long as Jason Terry's getting the ball, Jason Terry's happy. Yeah, Jason Kidd, who you know, again, is pretty solid in the locker room. Again, they built some really nice teams around Dirk like that. And so I wonder if, like you guys said, Silas doesn't have not only head coaching experience, but coaching in, in adversity experience like this. So we'll see what happens. I think more things than not lean under here. But again, like we talked about, there is such a wide range of options here. If you get a chance to bet some all totals, if those pop up tomorrow at some point in the next few hours, again, sometimes things open up, look for an alt under here because if it goes south, I think it goes south pretty quickly. Um, any other thoughts from you guys here on the Rockets? Um, you know, again, where, I don't think where do you guys think he would fit besides Philly? Like who else is in this market? 
Like, is, do you think there's that much demand for them? I've seen Miami. My, so if you look at books, Miami um, is hovering right around as the favorite. You know, again, they're plus 250. So it's not like the Doesn't market really like feels terrible about it. I don't know why if you're Miami, you would do that. But I think yeah. the fit actually is nice because if you can keep Duncan Robinson, basically, and uh -huh. you end up with Butler, Harden, Duncan Robinson, Bam Adebayo, and another human being, that's a pretty <laughs> stinking great lineup. You yeah. have Bam Adebayo to cover up everything on defense. You have Butler, who's going to take off the defensive pressure from Harden. Um, Butler and Bam are fine not having the ball in their hands. I think Duncan Robinson is going to shoot a million threes a game if, if he's going to get to play off Harden with all that space on the floor. So I think that if you're Miami and, and you start to think about what that maximum lineup looks like, it's uh, it gets pretty appealing. But it looks like it's them. You've heard the Sixers floated around. Um, I think with the trade with Simmons, it makes that Sixers roster finally, you know, look simple and easy. You don't have to worry about Ben and, and, and B playing together. I think that they fit nicely. Um, and then the Nets, you know, everyone's talked about the Nets. I don't know why you would do that if you were the Nets. I mean, you look at that roster. It's yeah. fantastic. They've got two really good players, a lot of depth, a lot of versatility. And they have to, it almost be kind of like what the Knicks did to get Carmelo a year early. They traded away everything. So by the time he got there, there was yeah. nothing left. Uh, I mean, what do you think, Shark? Those are the three destinations I've heard the most about. You know, do you have any opinions on you know which would be the best for Harden or which you know would be the most fun for you, frankly? I think Philly would be the, the most optimized for Harden and the franchise. I think Jimmy Butler is just a huge clash point. I think Jimmy Butler is a huge personality. I think he wants it his way. I think they're kind of polar opposite prototypes. If you look at it, Jimmy Butler is a grinder. He came from nowhere. I mean, I think he like was a walk-on at one point in some sort of abstract environment. I'm not sure if that was junior or high school or whatever it was, but he was a very underrated guy across the board. And he's, he's not the type of guy that I can really see coexisting with James Harden really at all. Yeah, that makes sense to me. I, I've heard a lot that Harden loves basketball, so I wonder if he gets there, you know, will that love of basketball in that new situation? And again, you got Pat Riley coming in with the rings, you got Spolster coming in with the rings, and you got Butler screaming at you in practice every day. I wonder if he just kind of falls back in line or something and almost enjoys not having to be the leader or best player on a team. So I think you make a lot of good points, though. That that Butler Harden combination is gonna be great or not so great. I think yeah, Philly's yeah. perfect, man. He can hit from like 35 feet. Give Embiid space to work. I mean, we've been saying this the whole time. Uh, the Daryl Morey connection, just, uh, you know, that's what I want to see as a fan. Oh, I would love to see that. That would just yeah. be, that would. I mean, you guys are instant good. contenders, right? Like up there with Milwaukee, like I'd say like same odds to win the title there. Or when it seems like that's what they're building to. If you look what Maury sort of put together, and again, all the same elements kind of work. You get a, a backup big man like Dwight Howard. You mm -hmm. just surround a bunch of shooters, and then the rest kind of works itself out. So um, I'm excited about the Sixers regardless. But if they can trade Simmons for Harden, I think that's going to make for just a really fantastic two seasons for us. All right, gentlemen, any other thoughts on the Rockets before we continue on our journey? Nope. Let's move on. Rockets. The Spurs of San Antonio. Um, not too much changes here. I know that they were trying to get Aldridge and DeMar DeRozan out, but they will be back this year. They lose Bellinelli. They lose Bryn Forbes. Bring in Diop, Trey Jones, draft Devin Vassell, um, who should be a nice piece. I think they should be pretty excited that he fell as much as they did. You look at the starting lineup, it should be a three-guard attack. DeWante Murray, Derek White, DeMar DeRozan, Aldridge, and Pirtle. Coming off the bench, you've got Lonnie Walker, Rudy Gay still there, Trey Lyles, Patty Mills is still around, and again, the aforementioned Devin Vassell. So they've got some depth, they've got some talent, they've got a little versatility, they've got Greg Popovich. What do you think, Shark? How about how are these Spurs going to do? 
I got to be honest, I don't like the Spurs group really at all. I think they're kind of over their arc. I think they underachieved the last couple of years. And they've been showing signs of just kind of cliff diving. Another thing that's really noteworthy for me is where Pop has always been a real deep psychological type of coach. His team last year was 19 and 15 at home and 13 and 24 on the road. When you don't travel well like that, you are losing your championship mentality. And we really look historically in terms of the top championship rosters. They travel well. Everybody wins in their home stadium at a higher rate. And that is an egregious gap. 19 and 15 home, 13 and 24 on the road. That's even worse than the Grizzlies were last year. And I really think if you just look at these guys, this kind of reminds me of like a bad fantasy team where a guy just keeps drafting old names. And then they get stuck with these guys that are past their average, they're past their arc. And it's, it's coming down. 31 wins last year, projected at 29 and a half showing zero buyback or zero regression to a higher higher average by books here. <clears throat> yeah, it's, I was really disappointed they couldn't find a way to get away from DeRozan because I like some of those young guards, and I think it would be fun to watch. I don't know if it necessarily would be better, but I think different is better necessarily at this point. What do you think of San Antonio spread? Yeah, their lack of two-way players kind of bothers me. That's why Vassal was a great uh, draft pick, right? But DeRozan, Aldridge, and Gay – can score for me, but they're not they're not doing a lot on the defensive end. And then you got, you know, uh, Podol, Murray, Walker. I think these guys can D up, right? But 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 they're not that effective offensively. So really going to be tough for Pop to kind of mix and match here, uh, his lack of two-way players. I don't know how they're going to close games. Uh, I'm assuming it would be like White, Murray, DeRozan, Aldridge, Gay, and then Podol hits the bench. But it seems like that's pretty easy to score on on the other end of the, of the court. I think Pop's got his work cut out for him. Obviously, they want to win now. That's why they didn't get rid of the older guys. And I think the other reason they didn't is I don't think there's much of a market for him. Like, which team do you look at and you say, if LaMarcus Aldridge goes there, they're that much better, right? I mean, right. it's tough. He's, he's one of the guys that really, in the changing of the NBA, basically got phased out. His skill set is completely phased out. Uh, he's still a great player, but he's about 20 years, you know, too late you know get him back to 2000 he would still be a star even at this advanced age um DeRozan feasts in the mid-range which isn't really um you know valued as much anymore um and he still has his problems defensively Rudy Gay I've, I've always not really liked him for number one his inability to create off the dribble and and two his defense um, Patty Mills still can score, but once again, at this point in his career, can't really defend that well. So they're kind of losing that, like uh, Shark talked about, that Spurs mentality. And I think it's because of their inability to get stops. It, it, you know, I mean, you would think the Spurs team should be built around like defense, teamwork, and everything like that. But their defensive rating was like in the bottom 10 last year. Uh, their offense really wasn't that bad. And I think that's because teams are so focused on stopping the rim and stopping the three, that those mid-range shots are wide open and they're taking advantage of it, right? So that's great. I like the fact that they're doing that, but then they're not getting the stops on the other end, and uh, three's more than two. It can be tough for this team. So I'm not high on this team, and I don't even see what type of moves they can make in season um, you know, to, to really upgrade this team because I don't think there's a huge market. Uh, maybe DeRozan. I can see maybe a contender. He's an expiring too. Yeah, but I mean, I think you would get a pick from him at that point. I don't think you're going to get a player back. So I'm not high on the Spurs at all this year, but keep taking them at home, right? Still 19 and 15 at home. I still think that there'll be some chances for us to bet on them as a short favorite as we've done like the last three years and, and cash some tickets.
And if they are able to trade DeRozan or Aldridge, I, I think they're going to be a great team to bet on because I think uh, the market will move those numbers a couple points for no reason at all. Uh, yeah. I think that they would be a fun team, again, with all these guards, you know, go back to that old Spurs basketball, just getting up and down the floor, trying to run as many passes as you can on offense, you know, really grinding out for 24 seconds and doing that. That could work. But, you know, two years ago, they made a decision to kind of go contrarian. Everyone was talking about threes, and they found, you know, what they believed to be two, two cheaper stars in Aldridge and DeRozan. And it wasn't the worst strategy in the world. I mean, those two-point shots do work if you can hit them at a high enough rate, and they could. They're older players. They, they can't do it as much anymore, and they become so bad on the defensive end. It's just it's really tough to keep them on the floor. As you start to look at the regular season win total here, you know, last year we're a 45% win team, Pythag right around that. You know, the market expects them to take a step back. They're right around 41%, 42%. The win total around 29 and a half. Um, the market really not feeling good about their chances to make the playoffs. No is minus 480. So, I mean, if you think they could put it together and, and do something special, plus 350 to make the playoffs might be your wager, but I, I don't feel great about any of that. Um, any opinions on any of those numbers, Shark? Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, I think the under is the sharp take here without question. And all the aforementioned points, both numerically and narrative-wise, confirm it, period. What do you think there, Spread? Are you making a wager here? I mean, I kind of agree with Shark. I'm leaning under here, but um, maybe it's just, you know, my, my Popovich respect keeping me from betting it. What do you think? You, yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. I'm, that's the reason I'm not betting it. I'm leaning under. I'll tell you to bet under if you want my advice, but I don't want to bet against Popovich, especially with that at 41%, that threshold's so low. You know, they go on a little hot streak, knock out, you know, win seven out of eight or something, you know, especially if they hit the road and do it like games we weren't expecting. Um, and we, we do know the effort's going to be there every night, right? It doesn't matter who you are. If you're not giving a hundred percent, you're getting off the floor. Um, so that's why I don't want to bet under, but uh, boy, everything seems to scream under here. And, and Hey, for this franchise, it might not be that bad. I think Vassal is going to be a huge, uh, uh, addition for them, not as a star, but as a player, they can plug in who's young and play the role that they want. Now let's go ahead and get another lottery top guy in one of the most stacked drafts in years and go ahead and start over as these older stars are aging out. Yeah, I mean, if the cell works out, you can start him over to Rosen, do like a really fun, super small lineup where it's Murray, White, Lonnie, Walker, play the cell at the four, you know, maybe leave Pearl at the five or even let Aldridge kind of play five. And he's been shooting, Aldridge has been shooting a lot of threes, much to our buddy yeah. DB's demise. So we'll see if that continues. Any other yeah, thoughts on the Spurs? Rosen playing the four in the small lineups too has actually been pretty effective for him, which is a good yeah, way defensively, to he's, older players. Defensively, he's been solid in the post, and he's he's actually got a big enough body where he can guide some of those guys. All right, gentlemen, any other thoughts here on the Spurs before we jump to the final team in the Southwest Division? No, let's get to Dallas, man. That's the team everyone wants to talk about. This team's Absolutely. freaking awesome. Luka Doncic, Tim Hardaway Jr., Josh, not Jason, but Josh Richardson, Dorian Finney-Smith, Kristaps Porzingis, Dwight Powell is healthy. Maxi Kleber is back. They drafted Josh Green, drafted Tyrell Terry. Um, Jalen Brunson comes back off the bench as a second year. Looks like a solid lineup. I just really like this team up and down. You've got Rick Carlisle, one of the better coaches in the NBA. Shark, what do you think about the Mavericks? Um, how much are you going to bet on them to win the championship? Well, that's a good question. I haven't really gone into the detail of that. I'm just, I'm really locked in. I saw you posted going back uh, probably about a month ago. You were looking at the Lakers fade Dallas on the road there, I think on Christmas Day, was it? And yeah. Uh, I, 
you're going to be finding a hell of a lot of value in this team. Of course, this is not like the Warriors after winning a title coming back and winning over 70 ball games, but I do think you have a similar environment where Dallas really kind of backdoored the season, played incredibly well in the bubble, and I think the momentum continues. And, of course, they're young, they're focused, they're angry, and they're ready to compete. And I think you're going to get a lot of uh, – excuse me, you're going to get a, a – extreme sustainability against the spread because again they're going to want to show up every night this is not a team that's already done it they want to show you night in and night out we're here to stay we're ready to play and let's go so i'm looking at them just on a night in night out basis i will have a lot of action on them just as a game ats side this year yeah i actually have two game bets on them are ready wednesday night they were plus i think 106 at the time against the phoenix suns i think that's an overreaction of the chris paul signing so scoops them that plus 106 and then a christmas plus seven against the lakers i think that number is still pretty much everywhere so um, that hasn't moved too much they're um, they're like now minus 110 against the suns so that's starting to move a little bit spread what do you think here of the mavericks i mean what is the ceiling on this team what is the floor on this team i, I could be more excited well, I just wanted to point out that I know that everyone that was wearing the same hat as Sharky was quite upset when poor Zingas got traded. <laughs> Might be looking pretty sharp right now. I I mean, do you guys have hopes that this guy can stay healthy? I, I'll wait to believe it till I see it. I mean, you talk about being a unicorn, but maybe that's going to be the point. The fact that you, you shouldn't be seven foot three running like that, jumping like that, blocking shots like that. And, you know, your knees and the rest of your body is not cut out for it, you know, um, you know. That's actually my main concern with this team to keep them away from a championship. Uh, I see that he's out right now. I know that he missed. You know, it was like Luca was playing on that huge frayed ankle. Remember when Luca went down and we thought there's no way he was coming back? He's back the next game. Porzingis misses the rest of the thing. Now, I'm not saying that Porzingis' injury wasn't there. I'm just saying it shows like, uh, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm really worried about his ability to hold up. He's pretty young to already be having these injuries. Um, you know, and then you get, you know, one of our old favorites from the Kings, Willie Colley Stein running in there who actually don't think is that bad. He might be one of the fastest seven footers in the league. So I think he fits well. And I love that the trade they made, um, with your team, Philadelphia on both sides. I think the Philadelphia needed the shooting with, uh, Seth and they can, they can go ahead and absorb the bad defense. And the Mavericks needed that wing defense because they were getting absolutely crushed. As much as we love Luka on the offensive end, I'd still say he's below average on the defensive end. Now, of course, he's only 20, 21 years old, so that, that will improve. Uh, Hardaway Jr., another one who's great on the offensive end, not so good on the defensive end. So having Richardson in there to really get up in people's faces. And um, we've seen players go to Philly and not – do their best. I wonder if we see Richardson return to that Miami form or, or if he really just did regress. But I wouldn't be surprised if we see him return to the player that he was on the Heat. And if so, that's just such a huge pickup for this team to get a nice two-way player. Love Finney Smith. Love Cleaver at the four. Um, and, of course, Carlisle is going to coach them correctly. So this team's got a lot of potential. I think they're going to absolutely crush the regular season, and we might see some flaws get exposed. But Luka is so awesome. They might be able to overcome all of them and make it to the Western Conference Finals. I'm pretty high on this team from a regular season perspective. I think they're going to cover a lot of spreads. I think that they are going to definitely make a name for themselves in the playoffs. And, uh, I mean, if Porzingis can come back, they are a true um, contender in the West. If not, I think that they, they kind of come up short, kind of like the Nuggets and the Jazz that we talked about last time. Yeah, Shark, why don't you jump in with some thoughts on Porzingis quickly before I offer a few counterpoints. Yeah, I mean, ultimately going back, I think he was number four overall pick going back to what, 14 or 15. Phil Jackson saw him, and it was probably one of the only yep. productive things he really did as a GM. 
and I loved him. I, he was great. I mean, he was he was he was more of a leader than people gave him credit for. Obviously, youngest out of four brothers out of Latvia. But that seven foot three prototype is just a problem. And you look historically in the NBA. Once you get over six eleven, seven seven one, probably at the max, that's where it starts to get physiologically difficult. Uh, seven three plus, it's it's hard to get up and down like that. Uh, particularly for his prototype, who needs to move and is more of a flex. I mean, you look at a guy like Shaq, 7'1", 350. I mean, it's a totally different prototype. But with bigs like that, they're trying to move not only up and down, but also in and out of the perimeter. And there's a lot of little uh, just like footwork moves, which is what can really cost your knees and your ankles. Uh, it's, it's hard to sustain that prototype in the NBA. And as Spread said, we're seeing it already, and it's tough. And ultimately, when he was traded, I was furious. But I, I, at the time, I didn't realize potentially that he was going to be an injury problem long term. And, of course, you know, as – you know, Noobs knows Knicks fans are trying to hold on to anything emotionally. He was the best thing that happened in years. And we were just like, come on, man. like, what are you doing here? But, uh, that, you know, that's pretty much it on that, I think. Yeah, you, you make a great point about um, historic size of players. I mean, really outside of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who is listed, I think, at 7-1. But if you go back and, and talk to any player, um, seems like he was quite a bit taller than that. Um, you know, besides him, there's not really anybody that tall that had a long storied careers. I, I think you're right. That's tough for him. What I find optimism in the fact is that Dwight Powell's healthy and I actually like this Mavericks team with Powell better. I think defensively he's better. He likes being around the basket more and he is great in the pick and roll. I thought him and Luca um, were fantastic at the beginning of the year before he got hurt. So really excited to have him back. Like you said, Sprout, um, like you said, Spread. Josh Richardson, you know, he got out of the brick brown. I think he's going to like being in this situation. Yes, he'll be off the ball like he was, but it's really only you know, one, maybe two guys taking the ball from him, and he should get a lot of chances here. All he kind of has to do is play defense and be there on offense. I think that's going to be a great addition. It just it feels like a really nice, deep team to me. You know, as you look at the regular season win totals here, um, the Dallas Mavericks last year won 57% of their games, up to 59 if you back out the bubble. And the line is, is right about there. You know, 57.5% I'm seeing is the win percentage. The win total I'm seeing 42.5, which is about 59%. So right about where they were last year. Um, you know, what do you think of those numbers, Fred? Over. This is a regular season juggernaut. I have no – everything I said about concerns for this team is all playoff-based, seven-game series, going against teams that are specifically game planning for you and to take Luka out of it. Regular season when you only have like – you know, you get to see like what they give two or three scouts – you know, reports, and then you're on to the next city and you're spending all the time uh, on the road and, and in the plane. I, I just don't think this team can be stopped. I don't think you can, can come up with a game plan um, that quickly. I think this team is just, I mean, they're going to be a regular season juggernaut. I'm over all day. I think they have a chance to maybe be the number one seed in the West. It's just my concerns for them are in the playoffs, but I'm going to look forward to betting this team. I'm on the over. I, I really like Dallas from a regular season perspective. Hey, that's an interesting look. Usually some books open a market for us oh, to be number one seed. I'll be curious to yeah. see what that is. I don't see it yet. What do you think there, Shark? You going over two? I think the, the, that's all great points. I'm looking at the number, and you made the comment, not a, not a lot of movement from last year where Vegas has it scaled. And I think for me, where I usually look at the, these type of things, I want to see gaps, and I want to see movement gaps, which is why I made the comment about the Pelicans probably being the best bet coming up in the entire division. And I think – I do agree with spread 100%. And, of course, sometimes the books just throw out a stock number and it doesn't really correlate to the result. But just purely speaking to the dead number, when we're at 43 wins last year and we come in here at 42 and a half, I mean, a half game movement against it is just like, I mean, that is just the most razor possible sharp spot for me. So from a numerical standpoint, I wouldn't really have a lean here. Uh, I do like what spread said, though, and I, I might actually sprinkle a little on the over based on that point. 
Yeah, like that over two. I've, I've got a bunch already down on them to win the division. I was able to grab a nice number before they traded Westbrook. That's out to like 225 now. So that's not bettable. The other angle that I like is, and, and I bet some of this earlier, again, at a little better number, but Luka Doncic to win the MVP is still four to one, maybe four and a half to one, depending on where you look. I mean, given all the optimism we have about this team, if they're a number one seed, you know, you look at Giannis, the history of players getting three MVPs in a row is Bill Russell, Will Chamberlain, Larry Bird. I don't know that the media is necessarily excited to put Giannis as the fourth guy on that list. Steph Curry is eight to one. He is going to be on an island by himself out there in Golden State. And who knows how many minutes he plays and how hard that team goes if things start to go south. You've got Davis and LeBron James who are going to cannibalize votes. Then you get into like the 10, 12 to one. I think that, um, you know, although he's already the favorite, I'm not sure why he's not even a bigger favorite. I mean, what do you think of that number, Shark? I like it a lot. I really like it. And as you said, you know, with KP injury, he's going to have the ball in his hands a lot. His numbers are going to be extremely inflated. And if he has inflated numbers, and we're talking all three of the major statistical categories, and they win 50-plus games and get the one or the two seed, I mean, that's exactly what we're looking for. And as you made the comment, not only is the media probably not trying to give Giannis a third straight, that's a major gap in time. I mean, the last time that happened was in the 80s, right? I mean, Larry Bird. Yep. So, yeah, it's like 85 I mean, to 87. Yeah, mm-hmm. so that's that's just I mean that that basically speaks to almost like they're never going to do it again. You know, it's just something that happened in a totally different generation within media voting. Maybe a little more bias, maybe a little less distribution of players that had that ability. And I think there's just no shot. I think Luca has great value at four to one, and it connects with all the points really. Yeah, and the other thing to talk about Giannis too, with Holiday being there, his usage actually should drop a little bit. He's not going to have the ball in his hands as much, so you might see some slightly depressed numbers from him. Spread. What do you think about Luca four to one? Is that a, another good way to attack this Mavericks team and, and the value you might see in the market? Yeah, I mean, it, I, and I would wait and see if you can find their number one seed come out, and I would just take whichever one's giving you more because I think yeah, I'm looking around possibility. I think they're going to go hard this regular season. Um, you know, we've already talked about the Lakers maybe dialing it back, you know, with the short off season here. Um, you know, the Clippers, they're, they're going to dial it back no matter what. Um, so, I mean, we have a great chance here for this team to step up. And if there's anyone poised to make, basically make a leap, you know, from his second to third year, I mean, yeah. I mean, I definitely, I definitely like the play. I think that he's going to have an amazing year. He's going to be so much fun to watch. Awesome. All right, gentlemen, any other thoughts here on the Mavericks before we wrap things up? That's it for me. Yeah, no, I think we, I think we did uh, I mean, pretty good, pretty good timely. We, we got the shark on. I'm feeling energized. I mean, this is just great. All right. Well, before we do a quick pick recap, I want to thank Shark again for joining us. You can find him on Twitter at Shark and Sports. That's Shark, the letter N, Sports. He is also part of the Dad Bod Podcast. You want to tell the people a little bit about that, where they can find it, maybe some of the other wonderful stuff you're doing? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I started this channel about two and a half years ago, centered around the NBA, moved on to all different things, because I think that you know, there's particularly in the COVID 2020 campaign, there's no sports. We're trying to have conversation, do a lot of things. And, you know, my brother, old man who bets big in men's mental health. I love talking about, you know, fitness, just love and respect. I always say, because there's a lot more to life than sports spread. Alex, total respect and love to you guys. Great stuff all around. And this collaboration has been fantastic. I was making a comment off the record to spread. There's not a lot of real sharp NBA commentary that I see on Twitter anymore. I think it's it's real heavy college basketball. I think the prognostication of college basketball is obviously way more widespread and people find a little more value in the lines and people love that. They don't necessarily love diving an hour into the deep layered analysis of it. And we love to do it. And it's just, it's been, it's been great. I'd love to run it back with you guys anytime. 
Absolutely. We are honored again to have had you. We will definitely have you back on as the season goes. As we start to recap again, we talked about we like the Pelicans over. Um, not much for the Memphis Grizzlies. Maybe lean over or yes to make the playoffs there. Houston Rockets, too many gosh darn things going on there to make a bet. We lean under with the Spurs, but out of respect for Mr. Popovich, we'll probably pass it on that. We love the Dallas Mavericks. Get your overs. You could probably parlay them to win the division to something if your book lets you do that. And take a look around. See if you can get some Luka. Doncic to an MVP. We like four to one or better. Thank you everyone for watching. Thank you for listening. If you are listening, we would love a rating or review on whatever podcast app you're using. You can follow us on Twitter at NetworthPod. The DMs are open. Let us know if you have any questions or thoughts or want to hear more things and through the future. And don't forget, folks, ride the wave or get the fuck out of the water. <laughs> Good luck. And